Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries, and our must-read daily newsletter. This week on Highways Voices, the CEO of a global business talks acquisitions. Growing organically in international markets are difficult when you're coming from, say, the U.S. or if you're coming from Australia and trying to build in the U.S. I think it can take a long time. I think if you do a basic make or buy type of analysis, you come to the analysis, is it worth it to go ahead and acquire an asset versus try to develop it on your own? Mark Talbot of enforcement company Redflex is our guest this week. I won't force you to listen to it, but I think you'll be glad you do. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. So we talk international acquisitions, running a global business when you can't travel, and enforcement this week here on Highways Voices. But first, as always, Adrian Tatum, co-owner of Highways News, joins me. Adrian, what have you spotted on our website this week that's particularly interesting? Well, Transport for London are working towards a safer, greener and more efficient road network with new collaboration program so here tfl has brought together all of the maintenance of roads tunnels and assets such as bus stations and street lights that are essential for london and the journeys around it in one works for london program which will include three leading infrastructure companies ringway fm conway and the tarmac kia joint partnership who will partner with tfl on this collaboration program elsewhere highways england released footage of its second automated cone-laying machine, which is currently going through off-road trials. The consultation is launched on Leicester's transport plan with air quality at the heart of it, as you would expect. And Safer Highways launches the Highways Heroes Awards, recognising excellence in our peers. You mentioned TfL there, Adrian. Well, there are calls for TfL's funding to be agreed long term. London's businesses are crying out for that one. More worries about chip shortages. You can read about that on our site and what that means to the automotive industry. E-scooters have been confiscated in London and there are details of the in-person ITS World Congress in Hamburg this October. If you've signed up to our daily email you'll already know about all of these news stories but if you haven't it's really easy to do. You'll get all the news from the highways and transport tech industries if you sign up at highwaysnews.com. Your daily email comes in at midday every day. Highways Voices with Paul Hutton and Adrian Tatum. A couple of weeks ago, we ran a story about the takeover of Redflex by smart mobility company Vera in the US. That has implications across the world, including here in the UK. So I got in touch with Redflex CEO Mark Talbot and asked him to come onto the podcast to tell us more. He said yes, and I started by asking him what the new owners actually do. Vera Mobility really has two components. One is a commercial side of the house, which is facilitating toll payments, uh, particularly for the rental car industry in the US, as well as some fleet management and registration services associated with those commercial customers. The other side of the house is government solutions, which is exactly what you would think from an automated enforcement company. It's speed enforcement, it's red light enforcement, it's bus lane enforcement, it's crossing guard, which is our, our school bus passing enforcement. So it is very much a similar technology and business that's predominantly also doing back-end services. So in the U.S., as you may know, we often are an end-to-end solution, not only providing the edge technology, but also providing the customer care associated with processing the violations and collecting the fines. So I think there's a, there's a lot of common experiences between the two companies, particularly in North America. 
I think Vera, having been very successful in North America, also is looking externally outside of that geo into the rest of the world. It does become a little more complicated because the rest of the world typically will buy technology as opposed to an end-to-end service provider. And as a result, that's why our competition is typically different outside of North America as it is in North America, where you may have uh, system integrators, you may have uh, BPO service providers, as opposed to technology players. So I think that was the logic of Vera to, to buy someone that has an established practice of creating their own IP and then selling it into those global markets. Yeah, because that, I guess, is you, you, you touched on Middle East, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, as well as North America. I guess that this gives Vera a much faster route to market than they would have had if they were starting off and trying to establish themselves from scratch in these different markets. Because as we know, it's not about just turning up and selling. The time it takes to actually understand the markets, build the relationships, and actually then get those sales takes a lot longer than anyone ever expects. That's right. That's right. You either have a lot of patience or, or you, you make a decision that you want to move today. And I think growing organically in international markets are difficult when you're coming from, say, the U.S. or if you're coming from Australia and trying to build in the U.S. I think it can take a long time. I think if you do a basic make or buy type of analysis, you come to the analysis, is it worth it to go ahead and acquire an asset versus try to develop it on your own? So uh, that, that was their decision. It's interesting, though, that you you touched on some of the other things that they do. It strikes me, therefore, they're more of an intelligent transport systems company than than just an enforcement company. And that I'd seem to get the feeling is what's happening quite a lot in the whole of the industry is that the days of having a company that does one particular thing, whether it's road studs or it's traffic signals or it's enforcement or it's transport modeling, for example, companies are either being acquired, partnering or just growing into a much bigger overall solutions provider. Yeah, cer- certainly I, I am in the mindset that, that Vera Mobility intends to grow and, and intends to grow horizontally as well as vertically. They, they, they are looking to have greater breadth in the transportation ITS space. I think one of the things that enables that is often our customers have those problems and they may just only be purchasing an automated enforcement from us, but purchasing a toll solutions or a curbside or a bus lane enforcement from somebody else. Those problems exist for the same customers. I think it's a natural, if you're a trusted provider of services, you look to pursue other opportunities to deliver uh, technology and solutions to the same customers. So I think that's one thing from a customer standpoint. And as you said, customer acquisition is, is hard. I, I think the, the second thing is from a technology standpoint, um, and maybe you and I have talked about this over the years, if you look at our system as, a, as an edge sensor, the data it collects is, is data that's being collected by other sensors out in the field. So you, you, you see that the same technology being used for different purposes can be sourced out of a single sensor. And then, of course, that flows into the back end of how you process the data, where you distribute it, what kind of decisions you make. So if you see this sort of big picture, you can see that we're all sitting in the same space with similar technology providing data that then is just being used by by different facets of an agency or an organization 
uh, that we may serve. Now, of course, here in the UK, we sometimes have a piece of equipment put on the roadside for a particular purpose. But the way it's being procured means that even if it can be used for other things, technically, legally, it can't be. Is this a, a thing that we have particularly uniquely here in the UK? Or do you come across this in other parts of the world that you serve as well? I think every every geo has very specifics about uh, evaluating and assessing the technology deployed for the purposes it's deployed. I always would like to see those administrative processes of approving technology and the use of technology keep pace with the change of technology. Probably not likely. <laughs> you can you can match it, but at the rate of change of the technology, at the rate of improvement in the ability to manage and assess and use that data uh, to make decisions, yes, we, we would love those agencies that need to approve and need to validate what's, what's being put on, on the roadway for safety reasons, for, for, for truth of information reasons, et cetera. We would love to see them improve their speed of action relative to what's available in the market. I think that only benefits everyone in the long term. And certainly improves the value of the data collected and the use of the data, as well as ultimately the value of the equipment and the and the, the idea that, look, technology is getting better for the same value. You're getting more out of the equipment over time uh, for oftentimes the same value that you purchased 10 years ago. It's interesting because, of course, when I look at collaboration between businesses, um, often the reason you can you realize that businesses are keen to collaborate in times when in the past they might have actually gone off and uh, tried to deliver the product themselves is because of the speed of technology uh, is so quick now that if you try and create everything yourself you're just never going to keep up because by the time you've created it someone's created other things but of course that is an interesting thing especially when it comes to enforcement that in fact we're not necessarily enforcing and therefore keeping the roads as safe as they could be if we're not having the approvals keeping up with the dramatic and very fast um, uh, advances in the technology. I mean, what sort of concrete examples might there be that we could see uh, with equipment that may be out of date on the roadside? Well, I, I certainly believe simply from an economic standpoint, if you're able to procure uh, equipment that can do more for less or create greater, greater value, certainly the budgets expand on the customer side. The budget will be able to buy more, m- more systems, deploy more systems in places that, that Previously, the economics didn't work or couldn't afford uh, to, to put cameras on certain roadways. So if you go down from the, the M roads to the A roads or, or something like that. So I think certainly to the extent that it becomes more economical to deploy at broader scale, I think that benefits everyone. As a vendor, it certainly benefits us. As a, as a customer, it certainly allows a greater management and, and data collection on roadways that previously, again, not, not possible from an economic infrastructure standpoint. Yeah, I guess it's one concrete example I've suddenly thought of that it hasn't actually occurred to me necessarily why that it could be this is the reason. But we still have wet film cameras all over the sides of the roads in the UK, despite the fact that that is what 25 year old technology now and has been superseded many times over. And when you actually stop and think about it, it does seem crazy that we're still relying on this. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that goes to the idea of uh, you have somebody at some point paid a lot of money to get a wet film camera in the ground and 
and to displace it costs money. And I think that if you can make the value proposition better simply because you're able to deploy technology at a lower cost, that should benefit everybody. So we're talking about the UK. Redflex is is very active in the UK as well as US and Australia, especially. Um, what will people here see differently now the acquisition's gone through? Well, I, I hope they'll hear more often <laughs> about Vera Mobility. I, I think um, you know one of the one of the ideas of having scale is is when I talk about scale, I talk about overhead. You talk about management. You talk about depth of of executive and resources. Vera brings a wealth of that. They have a tremendous operating model. They've done very well over the years and have a depth of veterans, let's say, in the industry who are, who are truly subject matter experts. To me, that's that allows us to then take that those resources in our geos and, and start leading and start getting out in front, start, start talking to folks about ideas and thoughts around solutions of problems that exist. And, I, and I, I, I've told folks there, there aren't really any new problems in traffic management, traffic in congestion management, roadway safety. There, there really should be new ideas and new solutions that can be offered to try to solve those problems. Interesting you talk about Vera a lot. Does that mean that in the weeks, months and years to come, we're going to lose the Redflex name? I, I think we're going to be very thoughtful about that. I think Redflex, uh, certainly in the international space, carries a unique name since Vera isn't isn't there today, Vera Mobility. But I do think ultimately, look, the, the brand is the brand that we're trying to promote, which is Vera Mobility. And ultimately, we want people to associate the goodwill of our past work as Redflex with Vera Mobility. The timing of that, I think we, we need to be thoughtful about it. I think we need to we need to understand and appreciate there is a recognition of who Redflex is and the quality of the work provided, particularly in, in Australia, New Zealand, as, as well as the Middle East and Europe. And, and I think we need to be mindful of that. However, I think long term, yes, you you will see that Vera Mobility is the is the brand that we're, we're going to get 100% behind. That's interesting. We've had some conversations with uh, leaders here in the UK over the past few weeks um, about how they've led their teams during the uh, nightmare that we've had over the last near 18 months. Um, that's a challenge enough. How on earth have you managed to keep Redflex going and gone through an acquisition and I've been involved in acquisitions and late nights sitting in rooms waiting for the lawyer to sign off the final comma on a piece of paper before everybody signs it and the deal goes through. How on earth have you done this in the last 18 months? You know, that's, that's a, that's a pretty significant task to close an acquisition of this size uh, via Zoom and have, have multiple geos have to participate and multiple countries, uh, regulator, regulators sign off. One, I think you get really good advisors, which which we had on both sides. You have, fortunately for me, talented management in each of the geos that we had in place, you know, for the last couple of years since since I, I got here that could carry on day to day and run the business, service our customers while the rest of us are dealing with an acquisition. But you know, yeah, a lot of work, a lot of extra work. And during the pandemic, which we had a good plan about, we we were lucky in transportation that they were called that we were identified as central services. We were able to manage with all our customers to try to figure out how to operate, how to continue operations. And that was very much a global conversation and a similar one globally. And so we we just, we were very fortunate that we had a very good set of managers and a management team globally that was able to deal with it. And we all got very accustomed to working remotely over the years anyway. So I think it wasn't too big of a lift, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of late night uh, jobs. And I, 
late night work for, for a lot of advisors. Uh, but at the same time, I think because there was such similarity between the companies as far as what we did, the risks were, were more about how quickly or how, with the timing of getting it done and making sure we could get it done from a process standpoint, basically remotely, right? So I think it went very well. It clearly, it took, it took a while, five months is a fairly long time uh, to close an acquisition, but you know, it was a pretty orderly process and, and I think both sides are happy. And, and uh, I know we're all happy uh, to get moving forward and, and, and building this, this new company out globally. I've been involved acquiring other businesses and I've been involved in businesses which have been acquired. And the kind of playbook you open is send the boss to go and reassure the workers. Now, of course, you've got your staff and yeah. you've got all the all of them in Australia that you can't get to because the borders are shut. I presume you haven't been able to get over here to the UK. How, what sort of challenge has that been for you, Mark? Well, it is, but but also remember, I've been managing that way for, since seven, 2017 anyway. And I, I would say about half our staff is in the US, but we have major customers in each of those geos that we need to stay in touch with. I, I, again, I think the good news is we hired very well locally and we have very senior staff in each of those geos doing a very good job servicing the customer. So from that perspective, I think we were able to, to keep keep moving forward, you know, listen, one of our biggest issues was supply chain. We had to make sure we, we knew where product was coming from because work was still going on. We were still delivering hardware. We were still meeting obligations, again, because we were essential services, you know, work continued. So I think, I think we just, did, we did a good job. We were, we were probably more fortunate than most, but I, I'd say we, we did a good job and it, it speaks to having a good team, particularly if you're spread all over the globe. So as things open up, and obviously different parts of the world are going to be um, opening up at different speeds, uh, where are you going to target the international growth? Are we, we, You said we might see more of you in the UK and hear more of Redflex in the UK, but are you looking to try and get more of the, the European market or just grow the... Uh, the business with the extra uh, products that you have from Vera that in, in your existing markets, what's, what's kind of your strategy for the next year or two? Well, look, I, I think it's, it's not going to be very different than, than what, what we've been doing for the last few years. And I think, I think the Vera acquisition only amplifies it. We see our core markets as North America, Europe, and Asia Pacific, particularly Australia, New Zealand. These are places where we have long established customer contacts and relationships, large agencies with a number of traffic management, traffic solutions problems. And I, I think these are clients who are inclined to deploy technology to solve the issues that they have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. Those are places that will continue to pursue new opportunities, existing opportunities to try to grab more market share from what we have today of our existing business, but then also look outside of that and see what else can we provide given the technology we have at our disposal. We are really in position now as a larger company with scale to not only have the technology to determine our fate as to where we go, the, the access to existing customers, the existing customer relationships in those key markets, but then also the resources to then follow through, right, and lead. And I think that's what, that's the industrial logic. That's, you know, you have three things. You have depth of resources, you have breadth of market, and you have the resources to, to follow through. And those three things, you, if you were doing a startup, you would have, you, you, if you had two, you'd be, really, you'd be really in good shape. If you have three, 
it should be it should be sort of a no brainer from an investment standpoint. So I think that's that's what I saw when I when I kind of did the math on 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 the acquisition. Okay. Almost out of time now, Mark. And here on Highways Voices, we always try and get uh, a real takeaway for somebody listening to it so that it's not just an, oh, right, that's Mark telling us how great he is and his company is, but actually something they can learn from. And I think I want to ask you, if I were to be involved in an acquisition, either wishing to buy or somebody came along and tried to buy me and everything was done remotely, what advice would you give me in how to actually make that acquisition work? What I would say is prior to entering into an acquisition, knowing those constraints to ensure you have the right people in the geographies affected, uh, that you can one, not have a disruption to business, and two, can facilitate an orderly transition to the new, the new company, that you have management capacity to take on the, either purchase or support the acquisition. Mark, it's been fabulous. Thank you ever so much for sparing so much time to talk to us on Highways Voices. Thank you, Paul. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Before we go, we've always got time for... Adrian's accolade. When Adrian chooses someone this week deserving of being highlighted for something great in the industry. Adrian, where's your accolade going this week? My accolade this week goes to women in ITS... They were told this week that they were first class. The UK's Intelligent Transport Society's Women in ITS group heard this speech from Professor Eric Sampson, who was speaking at the meeting to mark International Women in Engineering Day. And he said, quite rightly so, that women should be applauded in the industry. And and obviously not just in the ITS. We wouldn't want to single that, that out. Women all over the industry now working at all levels to help bring a different perspective on the industry and a really good job they're doing too. For a long time in this industry, it wasn't really seen as something that women should be involved with. But fortunately, that's changed rather quickly. And for the last decade or so, we've seen those women climb through the ranks and do a fantastic job, whether that's engineering, whether that's marketing, whether that's sales, whatever it is it's it's something that really should be recognized and really should be pushed forward well done then thank you adrian well done to women in its for winning adrian's accolade this week and that's it for this highways voices podcast thanks to mark talbot for being our guest and spending so much time chatting to us when he's a really rather busy man next week we hope to speak to the chief executive of the local council's roads innovation group elkrig Join us next Wednesday. We upload this podcast at 9.30. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 